0: I'm Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today's episode is entitled, Your Own Personal Jesus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the content. So today I want to share with you why you actually have divine scripture at your fingertips, and then how to deploy it to make impactful changes for generations to come. So this topic of religion is unique. Like I'm just about all the way through my one of seven interviews as I record this episode. And thank you so much for all of you that have committed to try to be part of something bigger or better or move your life in a direction that maybe you didn't think was possible. I'm truly honored that I've got to spend hours, like literally hours of time with you. But in saying that, I see so many people are, are wanting to move forward. And I get to the, you know, as I talk about the four-dimensional Lifestyle, that body being, balanced in business, something that was brought into my life by a gentleman named Garrett J. White, founder of Wake Up Warrior. Admittedly, I have my own coaching. I've had my own stuff for a while, but I still send everybody. Take a look at thekingskit.com or wakeupwarrior.com if you want more information on that. But nonetheless, as I'm going through this four-dimensional questionnaire, because I want to get truly in- engaged with where you're at, we get over to the being quadrant, and it's like this deafening silence. Like, what is being? How do you define a spiritual connection? Right? I mean, what about yourself? Have you ever asked, What is God? What is a spiritual connection? What am I really doing? Is there a greater purpose? Is there a higher being? Now, think about this. You go through your entire life. Let's assume for this conversation that you're a Christian. Don't care what denomination. And you essentially live your entire life here on earth, from the way that I view this. For the hope and prayer of something happening in an afterlife that is better than here. Like that's what you're doing. And I commend you for that. I'm not saying that is right or wrong. I'm saying that serves you. That's wonderful. I mean, that's, that's literally, as I used the word preach, that's what I preach. Like there is no right and wrong so much as what serves you and what does not serve you. That alone and just applying that to your daily decision making will create massive shifts in how you operate. Let's cast that aside for a second. As I'm going through these interviews and we get to the being side of things and people don't know what spiritual connections really are. They don't know how to define it. Sure, I've had a handful of you that said, you know, I, I, I reconvicted or I've repledged my Christianity. I'm massively involved in church. I know what my religion is. There were a handful, literally 20%. The other 80% said, I don't really know. I just don't know what it is. I'd like to have a connection with a higher power, but I don't know how to make that happen. How do I know that something is real that I can't see? The more unique part of all these conversations is almost everyone that has said they are not a devout religious sector were forced into religion at a young age by someone either in their family or extended family. What do I mean by that? Just had a call with a gentleman before this podcast who his grandmother was an incredibly... Devout Catholic. And she forced the family to go to church every Sunday. Had to go to Mass every Sunday. And a couple times on in the middle of the week, a couple times on a Wednesday. And that was enough of an impact in how forced he felt to go that as an adult man he decided I don't want I don't want to be part of organized religion anymore. It didn't serve me. I don't I don't like it. And the unique part about that is that actually created a a shame and guilt feedback loop, as I refer to it. Because now part of his family or extended family, he feels like they're casting judgment on him for not being a part of their religion. Crazy to think about it, right? Like really, religion at its base would be to love everybody equally. But yet you cast shame and doubt on someone that doesn't back up your belief system. Which inherently would be the opposite of the religion that you're saying you believe in. I'll digress. I don't want to make this all about religion. Not in that capacity. What I do want to make about it is there's just these things that stack up for everybody. Where again, I'm sharing some of the nuances of these conversations, which are eye-opening in their own right. But it got me thinking, and it got me thinking based off of conversations I'd actually had with Garrett, founder of Wake Up Warrior. And they weren't all direct conversations. I mean, we—I we, don't want to misconstrue the fact of how close him and I are or are not. We certainly are not bosom buddies. We're not texting each other. We're not hopping on the phone calls with each other. But in the presence of one another, we've had several in-depth conversations. And in one of those was based around this frame of religion. And specifically, Jesus. Or God. Christ. Let's just lump them all together for just this moment, will we? I know, for some of you, that's going to be very difficult. Just work with me here for a second. So in this, we hold the Bible in our hand, right? Right? I mean, at some point, while I think most of us have had our own version of a Bible, a Koran, whatever your methodology is, you've held it in your hand. And you've accepted the fact that that is someone else's transcription of life events. Where there's, you know, the, the recollection, the recount of what Jesus himself did, or God, or Christ, or Moses, or Muhammad, or whatever the things could possibly be. Again, I will fully say that this is going to be a polarizing episode i am not incredibly well versed as it pertains to religion but yet i have something impactful to share this book has been passed down from generation to generation to generation like like thousands upon thousands of years right like here's the bible and this is what you're supposed to believe great Let's just say that is what you believe. Let's assume the fact that all the different translations and the telephone game that would have been played over that long of a period of time didn't happen. I mean, what about yourself right now? If you walked into your office or place of business and you sat down with one person on one end of the room or in a cubicle and said, just tell them something, tell them a simple story and then ask them to pass it down through 10 people. I will guarantee that that story alone in an hour's period will not be the same by the time it gets to the end. But let's assume somehow that that, that's not the case in the religious world. Let's say it was spot on, 100%, even during translation times from language to language. We still have to then accept the fact that it was written as a depiction or a description of a man's life. Which we now pick up and hold as one of the most impactful things we can study or look at. Right? I mean... A lot of you listening right now, your life is guided off of what one of these books say. It's incredible. Good for you. Seriously, that's not kind of saying that's if it serves you, I'm happy you're running with it. For me, that didn't feel like that ended up serving me. I had too many questions, too many unknowns. Which is ironic in its own sense, as I'm going down the path of, you know, metaphysics and quantum physics, some of some of the study of the unknown. So yeah, again, I fully understand I have a cognitive bias. I have a bias based off what I read, study, and believe, so I'm aware of that as I'm having this conversation. But if this scripture that we read that we hold so near and dear to our heart is nothing more than the words that were written down from another man, why then wouldn't you also write down your own words? Like Think about that for a second, like I'm a man, obviously. And journaling or sharing your feelings or thoughts was almost deemed blasphemy. In my household. Like as a man, you don't share your feelings. As a man, you certainly don't really share your thoughts openly too much. Those are things you sequester. Those are things you keep inside. Those are things that never get shared with the world. But what if the depictions of life events and the traumatic things that happened and the lessons you learned from them, you simply jotted down every morning in a journal? And not when it was convenient. Not when it made sense to you, not when you got around to it, but you made it a habit to do it every day. Every day. Seven days a week. For 70 years. Some of you right now are thinking like, 70 years, shit, I can't, I can't see seven minutes in front of me let alone 70 years. I get it, I've been there. But just imagine, if you will, that you were able to follow this through for 70 years and you had book after book after book, journal after journal, depicting your life. Now, I'm certainly not comparing you to the power of Jesus or Christ or whatever you'd want to say. Although, little metaphysics nuance for you that I feel obligated to slip in. If in the studies and the, the readings in the Bible that I have read through my metaphysics training, through my coursework, into my doctoral study... There's multiple places where it is referenced in the Bible that we are here to do better than Jesus or God has done before us. And that we are all cut from the same cloth. So if by the nature of that, if you start to believe that your prayer system, like the, the Christians that I know, the, the people that believe that, that strictly in that religion, when they pray, it's they're praying to a higher power. And they're hoping that this higher power fulfills their desire, right? That's the way that I look to prayer as a Baptist. When you switch that to a metaphysics conversation, what ends up happening with that prayer treatment, as it would be called, is that you look at you and Jesus Christ as one and the same. That he is in you and you are in him, so that would make you in some capacity equal. So that when God fulfilled Jesus' prayers, then also by the nature of that, your prayers would already be getting fulfilled because you knew it was divine. You knew that it was coming. Like that's some of the difference in the study or the methodology is had many questions on like what is metaphysics? What's this connection to a higher power? What's meditation? What's it all for? Like there's so many idiosyncrasies between organized religion and metaphysics that all it's done for me is cast light on things that I had questions on. Like inherently the way my mind worked, I couldn't I I couldn't get my head wrapped around like, how am I gonna pray to this person that I'm never gonna meet and hope he fulfills my answer? Why is he gonna fulfill what I want versus I'll say in my office, Kurt or Doug? Why is my prayer more important than theirs? Because I pray harder? Because I beg more, maybe because I do it more frequently. I got it. Maybe it's because I went to church. Maybe it's because I pray harder. I went to church, and I, I, you know, gave some sacrament. Maybe it's because I've I've went through study sessions inside a church or Bible studies. Maybe it's because I go twice a week. Like, at what point are the prayer like? Where's the prayer hierarchy? It broke down for me, just for me. Again, I don't. I'm cool with it. Some of you are going to attack me for this episode. And I'm ready for it. Like it's it's good. This healthy conversation will get me to think differently. About what I am currently assuming to be my personal truth, but as I've gotten slightly sidetracked and off the topic, what this all comes down to is the fact of journaling and journaling a life story and journaling that over a seventy-year period. And imagine being able to hand it to your grandchildren or your grandchildren's grandchildren. And sure, you might think like, my life's not that grandiose. Like, I come from meager meager beginnings, average backgrounds. My life's not that special. I'll say some of that's what's maybe holding you back right now is because you don't think it's that special. Imagine you started journaling all the things that you wanted to do and that you were going to achieve. You started putting them down in writing every morning so you had to see it. And your hand got used to writing that, I'm going to do this. And your mind then had to start almost believing it. Do you think you'd be more or less opportune to achieve that desired outcome? I'm going to say more. It certainly couldn't hurt. Again, you're writing all this stuff down, you're doing it for 70 years, you hand it to your grandchildren, maybe on your deathbed, maybe just as you're going to the nursing home. Who knows what it's going to be? And they'll laugh at you and look at you like, I'm not going to read all this stuff, right? Like, you hand them, at that point, it's going to be freaking seven boxes full of journals. And then slowly throughout time, history ends up repeating itself. And the limiting beliefs and limiting factors you've had in your life, there's a good chance they're going to have the same until something happens and there's a pattern interrupt. What that very pattern interrupt that you want to have happen for your kids and grandkids comes from the fact that they could read your work, read your life, read your writing, and start to realize the fact of, wow, I'm doing the same thing right now. And they start leafing ahead to see how you overcame that. And it condenses time down and it shrinks what happened. Well, by nature of that versus the nature of how we read the Bible, wouldn't it be one and the same? Wouldn't it be life's lessons? Wouldn't it be your own personal scripture? Wouldn't you then almost be your own personal Jesus? I know for many of you this is blasphemy. This is like, how can this guy be saying this stuff? This show has always been about sharing what's on my mind sharing about my lessons, the teachings, the meditations, the things that come to me that don't necessarily make any sense. As you see, if you're watching this, there's no notepad sitting around here. There's no phone. I'm not reading a script. This is stuff I'm contemplating throughout my day. Like, as I'm journaling every morning, and I've journaled now for the better part of a year. Yeah. Give or take. I got six journals filled with notes. But I have journals for different things. They're different colors, they're different names on them. And no, originally I didn't do it because I thought I was handing down scripture, but now it's almost exciting to me. It's like our Gianna's eight, almost nine now. It's probably not gonna matter to her. She's too close to our age, but what about her kids? Or I hope if I, if I live to 80, her kids' kids. Like what happens then? Could there be benefit? Could I get them transcribed? Will they even be relevant? It feels much better to know that I have the opportunity or the possibility to share these lessons instead of assuming that somehow I'm going to magically be able to keep them locked up in my head and they're just going to come out when I'm ready. Think about all the crazy stuff that you've done in your life that you forgot the finite details for. That had you just written it down, you could have went back and reviewed it. Maybe relived the moment. Maybe taught somebody else a lesson from it. No different than the Bible. Crazy. Right? Right? So in this, in this capacity, in this situation, in pertinent to this conversation, I don't have some magic wrap-up for this episode And it almost how does this apply to your, to your work and how does it apply to your body and how does it apply to your, your relationships? I think, moreover, for me, I'd like to share with you that the more I've journaled, the more I've got thoughts out of my head, the more my limiting beliefs and defeating attitudes have been written down on paper, the more I can process them and see how ridiculous they are. Like I was literally convinced before launching this podcast. I had notes from a year ago, almost today. I was looking at my journal. I had notes that I wanted to launch a podcast. And then I literally spent the next, what looks like four pages, talking myself out of why no one would ever listen, why it was a stupid idea. Then I spun around in my journal and started talking about like how could I pull it off. And Originally, this whole podcast was going to be in my home office, literally in our house, because I was embarrassed to do it in front of people. Okay, like think about that. I'm someone that now speaks from stage in front of I'll say hundreds of people. I'll round up and say a thousand. Number doesn't matter. I've got a podcast with a few of you listen, better part of a million and a half so far. My content gets consumed all over the place. I have no fear of judgment at this point. But when I started I didn't. So much so I talked myself out of it. It took another six months before I launched my first episode. It's crazy what the power of journaling and getting your thoughts out on paper and being able to massage them and see them and see what's repetitive. I just happen to journal and find my best work comes right after meditation. I find that because in this meditation state, it's almost, it's not almost, I'll tell you exactly what it is. As I meditate, I feel uniquely connected to a higher power. I feel like my intuition goes from a seven to a 12. I feel like at that moment when I can open my eyes and I feverishly grab my journal and I start writing everything I can possibly think of that came through me during that meditation. And then I start to deploy that with ruthless commitment to excellence. Like I've come in for the past two days and sat down in front of a curtain like, hey, I got some stuff. I meditated, I got some notes. What do you think? And maybe some of the notes you look at me like I'm fucking crazy. That's okay. I get it. People are going to think you're crazy. But I think some of them, once we talked it out, like it was a good framework to start this, to start the next evolution of where we're going, to start the next idea. So I'm going to propose a hypothetical to you for just a moment. Let's assume I still did meditate in the morning. Let's assume you meditate, even just five minutes, just quiet your mind down. And you get that, that thing of like, man, I got to do this. For me, that used to come in the shower. So I'm sure as you're listening, at some point you're going to shower either in the next 24 hours or you have in the past 24 hours. And you sit there and you let the water pour down over your head, and you wash your hair out with shampoo, and there's this spark of something that comes to you. You don't even know why it's there. I'm going to call that intuition. I'm actually going to call that divine intervention. I'm also going to call that spiritual connection. I'm also going to call that connection to a higher power. Like There's a reason all that stuff happens, because you're allowing it to come in in the moment. And it comes into your life, and then you hop out of the shower, you dry off, maybe brush your teeth, put on your makeup if you're a lady, fix your hair if you're a guy, whatever the stuff is, put on your clothes, walk downstairs or walk into your, you know, the main part of your house, and the idea is gone. How many times has that actually happened to you? Where you had this incredible idea and it's disappeared. Why wouldn't you journal? Why wouldn't you stop thinking it makes you strange or weird to admit out loud that you have a journal? I'm going to guess if you're like me, it's because I was afraid what most people would think if they ever read my journal, because there's some crazy shit in there. There's stuff about hating people. There's stuff about hating myself. There's all types of vulgarity. There's images. There's anything, but they're mine, and all that stuff is no longer in my head. It no longer slows me down. It allows for new space and new creative ideas. So across the board, journaling and becoming my own quote-unquote personal Jesus has been one of the most freeing experiences of my life because there's no longer this shit in my head that I can't get out. It's out and I can decide then if it serves me. I can decide if I want to implement it. Now I have to go back to an interview that I did with a guy on on this show. Blake Hammerson. And Blake had this incredible reference to luggage versus baggage. And I'm gonna butcher the story because it's not my story, it's his. I want to make sure I give him credit. His podcast is a sharper gentleman. But in that, he turns a story how he's getting ready to go to Florida. Young kid, super young. Kid family tells him to pack his bags. Packs his bags, he gets four or five suitcases. He puts everything in there. He puts clothes and he puts toys and he tries to stuff his dog in there and dog treats and books and all of a sudden this little seven-year-old has four massive suitcases, huge. He tries to take them down the stairs and they're clunking, and they're they're dropping, and they're beating up against the walls and this mom comes rushing around the corner like, is everything okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just ready to go. I'm excited. And she looks and she smiles at him and pats him on the head sheepishly and says, okay, let's look at what you got here. And so they slowly lay the bags down and unzips them and unzips the first one and you know, Rufus the dog jumps out and barks and is happy to be free and all the dog toys spill out and then the toys spill out and the clothes spill out and she said, You know, that's great, but do you think you really need all this stuff? We're only gone for three days. And she says, Well, I guess not. What do I need for three days? And so she gets a his mom gets a little duffel bag, super small, something that he can carry, something that's his size specifically. And they take a pair of underwear out, and another pair, and another pair. Then one or two extra pairs just to be safe, and then three or four outfits, some socks, his favorite toy, and a book to read. And all of a sudden it fits in his little sized backpack. And he's looking around with his backpack on his back, and he's looking around at all the stuff that's on the ground. And he walked down the stairs, he had baggage. He had five massive bags. But now he has luggage. He's got his own personal luggage on his back. And that applies to your life right now. You carry around baggage all day long. You carry around these stories that are trapped in your head that you've never processed, that you're afraid to get out on paper. That's baggage. Why not get rid of them and write them all down in a way that allows you to only pick and choose the one that serves you and makes your life better? Why don't you wanna start carrying around some luggage? With that, my friend, take that action item Go give it a shot and remember to get shit done.